Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Unitarian Universalists are very outré on the question of good, and more than a little slack on the question of not so good. It's good to be good on good. I wouldn't want my religion any other way. But what about when we're not good, or someone else isn't good, and we're caught in the friendly or unfriendly fire? We find ourselves this morning at the beginning of the journey of the days of awe, observed by Jews between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the 10 days for clearing the wreckage of the past year and beginning again in love. My very favorite spiritual practice associated with these awesome days is called teshuva. Teshuva means return, as in stop all your wandering from your best self and get back on track. Teshuva is not repentance. It's not about atoning for less than admirable behavior. It's about acknowledging that we've made mistakes, which is our lot as perfectly imperfect human beings, learning from them and moving forward. Lori Palatnik, author of Remember My Soul, writes, everyone makes mistakes. We all know when we stray, rationalize, bend the truth, avoid the effort, and ignore what is really important and meaningful in our lives. And then what? Well, I'm going to suggest we think of doing unto ourselves as we we do unto a child in those circumstances. Here's the Unitarian Universalist rendering. Do we want to shame and embarrass the child who's been naughty? Okay, maybe we want to shame and embarrass them. (laughs) But is that the most effective way to correct their bad behavior? Probably not. Do we want them paralyzed by grief and guilt? The correct answer is no. We don't want them mired in negativity and self-absorption. We want them happy and free, the same way we want to be. The alternative is to help the child, help ourselves, recognize that we've made a mistake, say the nine magic words that can change the world. If you're a long timer here, you can say them with me. I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Please forgive me. Then we make amends, if appropriate. Learn from it and move on. Maimonides, the great 12th century rabbi, laid out a four-step process for teshuva. He said, first, stop. 
if what we're doing is in any way destructive or unbecoming to our best selves, stand on the brakes. If we feel ourselves losing our temper, make a different choice and zip it. Second, Rabbi Maimonides urges regret. I know that if the other person or other people are behaving badly, it's really hard not to dive into the fray. My mother used to remind me that my name is not everyone else, and neither is yours. We are not everyone else. The fact that everyone else is doing it is not an invitation for us to do it too. And if we do stoop to that level, it's important that we acknowledge that we went there of our own volition, no excuses, and that we're sorry we did. Stop, regret, and then third, speak up. We can start by talking to ourselves, and if we have a trusted counsel or a God, talk with them. Have a good look at how our behavior has harmed ourselves and others. And it will do us a world of good to pull out the nine magic words and mean it. Now we can all say them together. I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Please forgive me. For any of you in 12-step programs, I trust this process is sounding familiar. We've just arrived at step 10. It's all about ending our self-destructive behavior and not taking down our loved ones with us anymore. If you're not familiar with Alcoholics Anonymous or other 12-step recovery programs, I commend you to them. They are a blueprint for living a free and peaceful life. Finally, fourth, says Rabbi Maimonides, make a plan. I once worked with someone who fought bitterly with her mother every time they were on the phone. Without fail, my co-worker would be awash in day-ruining emotions after their telephone interactions. The plan then was that she would make a little sign for her phone. It said, don't dial pain. That's the plan. Not to repeat the same mistake, but instead to make new ones. It doesn't always work that way, but that's the plan for the plan. In many ways, it's simple, simple, but not easy when we're the ones who are misbehaving. There's a lot more to work with when we're in charge of making the mess we're in. But what about when it's happening to us? 28 years ago, Rabbi Harold S. Kushner published a little book called When Bad Things Happen to Good People. I bought that paperback for $5.50, probably some of the very best money I ever spent. Rabbi Kushner and his wife, Suzette, had lost their son, Aaron, to a congenital disease just after his 14th birthday. It plunged the young rabbi into both terrible despair and theological turmoil. Somehow, I'm not sure how, although he had a vague notion of what he called God's justice, he had made it to adulthood believing that if he was good, bad things would not happen to him. 
What compelled me about this book and still compels me today is that it gave me and gives me a way to imagine God. Not capital G God, but what I like to call smaller G God or gods or goddesses or goodness, the force of good. It gave me a way to imagine that which is neither sentimental nor remote. It gave me the idea of light in the darkness, in spite of everything. Rabbi Kushner tells the story of a young couple whose only child in her first year at college died of a brain aneurysm. When Rabbi Kushner arrived to be with them, the first thing they said to him was, you know, Rabbi, we didn't fast last Yom Kippur. He found himself asking, who taught them to believe in a God who would strike down an attractive, gifted young woman without warning as punishment for someone else's ritual infraction? Well, the Bible is full of it, for starters. <laughs> no ills befall the righteous, says Proverbs, but the wicked are filled with trouble. I don't think so. The Bible is full of the God who plays sadistic games with his most faithful followers. You can quote me. <laughs> Obviously, it just isn't true. But what a great way to keep people in line. If you can get back, if you can get folks to believe that tidy equation that the all-powerful big guys up there with Santa keeping a list of who's naughty and nice, and then, my favorite word, smoting the not nice, <laughs> or at least not bringing any presents down the chimney, wouldn't people be eager to try to be good? Friends, this is both terrible theology and religion that closely resembles torture. And it's just not how things are. I don't know why bad things happen. I love best my friend Mike's very Catholic mother's response. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. I'll go with that and affirm that it is the exact same answer to the question we might also be asking, why do good things happen? It may and may not be true, but I'm told that a boy came home from Sunday school having been taught the biblical story of the crossing of the Red Sea. His mother asked him what he had learned in class. The Israelites got out of Egypt, he said, but Pharaoh and his army were chasing them. The Israelites got to the Red Sea, but they couldn't cross it. The Egyptian army was getting closer. So Moses got on his walkie-talkie, and the Israel Air Force bombed the Egyptians. Then the Israeli Navy built a pontoon bridge across the Red Sea so Moses could cross. His mother was shocked. Is that what they told you, she asked? Well, no, the boy admitted, but if I told, you, told it to you the way they told it to me, you'd never believe it. It's a mystery. So where does prayer come in? Actually, 
it's another sermon. <laughs> but I just want to say this. In the Talmud, which is the compilation of commentary on Jewish law, it is written that we cannot ask in prayer for God to do something that is actually within our power. Theologian Jack Reamer says it this way, we cannot merely pray to end war, for we have already been given the means to find a path to peace within ourselves and with our neighbors. We cannot merely pray to end starvation, for we have already been given the resources with which to feed the entire world if we would only use them wisely. We cannot merely pray to root out prejudice, for we have already been given eyes with which to see the good in all people if we would only use them rightly. We cannot merely pray to end despair, for we have already been given the power to clear away slums and to bear hope if we would only use our power justly. We cannot merely pray to end disease, for we have already been given great minds with which to search out cures and healing if we would only use them constructively. Therefore, we pray to you instead, O oh God, for strength, determination, and willpower to do instead of just to pray, to become instead of merely to wish. I share Rabbi Kushner's conclusion that there is no God who causes bad things to happen or condones evil. If there is a force of goodness in the world, it weeps with us. It is in the minds and hearts and hands of the people who rush in after a crisis and are there to uphold us. Rabbi Kushner writes, we can't explain it any more than we can explain life. All we can do is try to rise beyond the question, why did it happen? and begin to ask the question, what do I do now that it has happened? In the language of his tradition, he adds, we can be angry at what has happened without feeling that we are angry at God. We can recognize that our anger at life's unfairness, our instinctive compassion at seeing people suffer, coming from God who teaches us to be angry at injustice and to feel compassion for the afflicted. Instead of feeling that we are opposed to God, we can feel our indignation as God's anger at unfairness working through us. That when we cry out, we are on God's side and God is still on ours. My spiritual companions, in these days of awe, may we too seek the spirit of Teshuva, to return to our best selves, to stop, regret, speak up, and make a plan, to clear away the wreckage of our past and begin again in love. 
Especially may we find in ourselves the courage and the grace both to say the nine magic words and to receive those words when spoken by others. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. Please forgive me. Let us attend together to the brokenness in ourselves and in the world with all that is within our power, amplified and uplifted by the goodness of this beloved community and throw our weight to the side of love, service, justice, and peace. Lashana Tova. Happy New Year. Amen. <laughs>